Hello and welcome to It's a Gundam, the internet's best episode-by-episode Gundam Seed podcast that finished Destiny. My name is Jeremy. I'm the resident angry boy. I'm Tyler. I'm just mad all the time, so I guess that makes me the angry boy. My name is Zach. You're the new Shin. You know, occasionally we'll get iTunes reviews being very, very generous to us, saying we are, in fact, the best episode-by-episode Gundam Seed podcast. That is a sentence that has no meaning to me, I realized walking today thinking about how i was going to open this that's just <laughs> the words i say to make the podcast happen it might it's as well the magic be like, incantation yeah it might as well be abracadabra my name is jeremy <laughs> i was to say if we ever do coward captor sakura i really feel like you should just be abracadabra i have a wand my name is jeremy <laughs> what i was gonna say i don't think there were any other podcasts specifically devoted to gundam seed no so that's why i felt comfortable saying it and now yep. i it, which is weird because, like, it's uh, last time on video games, I come up with a joke usually about two seconds after I say hello and welcome to last time on video games. And it always happens. And I cannot start Jumpstart Weekly to save my life. <laughs> you'd think after all the time you've been doing this, you'd be better at it. I feel like it's both harder and easier because, like, there's more content on Jumpstart Weekly, but also there's more content. So, like, which <laughs> one do you pick? I feel like just go with One Piece because it's there almost all the time. 2020 was a bad year for One Piece. It was bare. It didn't make it into half the jumps that year. Uh, we seem to have corrected. Odai had a nice vacation, fixed his hand, and can draw again. Kidnapped a few assistants. Yeah. What happened to his hand? I don't think anything. I think he's okay. just been drawing One Piece for thirty years, and <laughs> drawing a manga that intricate every week for thirty years will eventually destroy your hand. Yeah, no, that makes sense. He goes to bed, and his hand is still drawing panels. I'm actually like, I feel like he should have trained himself to become ambidextrous so that he can draw One Piece more efficiently. For all I know, he did. This is a man that said I needed an assistant willing to die for One Piece. <laughs> no, so all the, all the like the chibi chapters or whatever, like the chibi scenes or, are or all his left the, hand. Yeah, I was uh, say or his non-dominant hand. So we finished Gundam Seed Destiny. Yay! I'm glad that we finished Destiny. We finished Destiny considerably less time than we finished Seed. It was actually about the same amount of time. We released our Seed wrap-up episode in December 2019. Well, I mean, which means we probably were recording it about this time. Yeah, but for like three years, it was on a back burner. We did start this comp- podcast in the Obama administration. I yes. was thinking about that. <laughs> <laughs> wow. We're old. So, Tyler, what did you think of Destiny? You're the one who didn't see it. It's not seed, um, <laughs> is what I will say. Um, You know, honestly, it was all right. I don't think it necessarily deserves all the hate it gets, but it's definitely not as good as seed like it also left so many dangling plot threads also the last couple episodes are just uh pull motivation out of a hat okay and i guess gladys is doing this now so i think it deserves most of it i'm mellowed out on destiny a lot but uh it like i said it does one of the worst things you can do and that's be disappointing it's deeply deeply frustrating yeah i don't know like the entire thing with stella just like i dropped out of my head by the end of the show uh, i'm that's a little bit our fault for going on the sojourn build. of build diving <laughs> that's fair i mean i guess media invoking a uh, emotional reaction means it succeeded on some level if you're so frustrated at it yeah i feel like frustration is not really the emotion that you want to target but fair <laughs> Going back to the thing about motivation out of a hat, which I totally agree with you. I was listening to our last recap episode today, and you probably don't even remember saying this, but you were talking about Raoul LaCruce's motivation and how you wish he would have picked a thing to do and try to do and be more focused on. Yeah, as opposed to Chaos Man. And through that filter, I kind of wonder what your thoughts on Ray's motivation are. 
I actually feel like Ray is more focused than Rao, at least as far like I actually have very little problem with Ray. I feel like Ray is one of the better developed characters in that show. Well, it's um, because he is acting as an accessory to Shin for so much of it, and his wants and needs are so self-contained, and they're contained with Durundal. So it's like, okay, he wants this very specifically until he doesn't. Durundal's goals and actions are Ray's goals and actions because Ray is Durundal's pawn, you know, willingly or otherwise, at least until the very end. Which is, I think that's fine as a yeah. as a turn. I had zero problems with anything Shin did. You that mean Ray? Track. Yep, nope, I have some problems with things Shin did. Sorry, <laughs> I have zero problems with anything Ray did. Ray pretty much tracks the whole way through for me. My frustrations with Ray as a character is it feels like they didn't know what they were going to do with him until... The very end? Yeah. He has this breakdown in the middle. Remember at the beginning when he's the guy who fights Neo Roanoke? And they have like this relationship like Rao and Mu did? Yeah, no, I completely forgot about that. <laughs> I mean, part of that was we had that sojourn through build divers in the middle there, but... Yeah, I had actually kind of forgotten about that, too. They just kind of drop that, don't they? And Where Neo like, oh, calls no, him you know White Baldy. He even has a nickname for him that's terrible. They just drop a lot, and a lot comes out of nowhere. And I think the Ray stuff, like, the beginning of the arc makes sense, and the end of the arc makes sense. But like so much of Destiny, it's missing a whole bunch of tissue in the middle. That is fair. I was actually thinking specifically of the scene at the cloning laboratory where, like, he's deeply uncomfortable. And they never really explore that. Well, that's not even really a cloning facility. Well, okay. They the... just kind of drop him in there. He has a breakdown, and they're like, okay. And you definitely could have tied Nero and Ark's arc back in with Ray's arc at the end, right? Yeah. When he's got the memory stuff going on. Another character they just don't do enough with. Well, that's because he's Maru's love interest, another character that they don't do enough with. It's like, hey, look, it's Moo. You were talking about how much you love Maru on the last recap episode, and I think they do a fine amount with Maru here. Like in Destiny? Yeah, because she doesn't need another arc, right? No. She can be Kira's mom, and that's fine. Yeah, I feel like she got pretty much all the character development she needed in Seed, and, like, she's not really a focal character. She's there to pilot the Archangel, and by pilot, I mean command, I guess, the Archangel. Well, I mean, they, they even uh, kind of did that exactly, where they took the crew of the Archangel, and they basically boiled it down to Maru, because the rest of the crew of the Archangel doesn't really have a lot of speaking lines in this uh, in this series. Which is fine, they've already got way too many characters. Yeah, uh, I was going to say, Millie got a whole episode, and that's, I think, all we needed out of her. They do try to parallel Maru to Gladys and don't quite do enough with it. Yeah, I but I think that's more of a failing on them what they're doing with Gladys than it is with Maru. I, yeah. Because as you yeah. just said, Maru's already basically gone through her arc. Gladys is more or less going through the same arc. Of losing faith in the military-industrial complex, which is... Slash her ex-boyfriend. Slash her ex-boyfriend, which is what happened with... Space Maru, president. Which is what happened with Maru, but, like, they don't quite get there. I think they kind of drop that whole thing with Gladys, so they don't line up properly. Yeah, we'll get more into this when we get to the question and answer segment, because someone basically asked this. But I do think there's a lot of characters who don't get the trigger pulled on their character arcs, because they didn't just want to repeat themselves. And I kind of respect that, but it leaves a lot of characters in awkward places. I feel like we could have explored a lot more of Gladys's motivation to, like, leave Durundal and, like, go and have a child and her relationship with her child at all, especially considering she's a military mom. That would have been interesting to explore, I think. And we got none of that. Yeah. Again, her motivation for her final act in the series just kind of comes out of nowhere, I guess. I feel like she could have just gotten off 
Messiah? Was that the name of the station that exploded at the end? She could have also just not gotten on Messiah. Yeah, either way, she there were options, and well, she took none of them. I could see going on to Messiah in order to try and confront Durundle about it one more time. That does track to me. But deciding I'm going to go ahead and just abandon my child and stay with this dude who I've basically been losing faith in this entire series really just seems like it's coming in from left field. Hey, Ray, you're my son now. Come die with us. <laughs> <laughs> That's one thing I I understand Ray's motivation to die with Durundle at that point. On the other hand, just having him live and, like, live his own life would have also been perfectly fine for his character arc at that point. I mean, even if it would have been short, even having Kira and Atherin, I mean, granted, they did add Atherin later, but, you know, say something as they're leaving, which we brought up on that last episode, but they both look at him and go like, eh, <laughs> leave him to die. Hey, Ray, you coming with us? Nah, I'm gonna blow up. Okay, cool. <laughs> when we were talking about Seed, we talked about a whole bunch of great moments in Seed, and you talked about how you really liked it. Or it's like Destiny doesn't, like, what are the great moments in Gundam Seed Destiny? We'll be doing high points shortly, so there will be a quiz. No, and I think that's actually my problem with Destiny as a whole, is what one of the great things about Seed is that the characters are strong enough, and they all get, like, sufficient screen time that things they do make sense, they, they are fulfilling when they do them, it's just satisfying overall. Destiny, like you said, there's a lot of that connective tissue missing, so I'm like, yeah, that ending makes sense for that character, but, like, it wasn't particularly satisfying. I, I can think of probably five high-point contenders across the entirety of Destiny. I think what I'm realizing when you say that is, what characters have arcs with midpoints? Like, the midpoint of Kira's arc is coming down in the Freedom Gundam to save the Archangel, right? And from there, he's figuring out his life. What I'm character in Destiny has an arc with a midpoint? Like, Neo Roanoke, weirdly? Yeah, I was going to say, actually, Shin kind of does, because Shin gets up to, like, the top, like, where he's about to actually make that arc, so that top point, right, but that's right when he kills Atherin and starts backsliding. Yeah, I was actually going to say that Shin kind of has an arc, it's just, like, a, it's not a traditionally shaped arc. Yeah, it's a regressive tragic arc, right? It just feels really awkward to me, and we'll get into that, I think, later when... We talk about I, questions, too. I think part of the reason why his arc feels so weird is because typically when you have a tragic arc like that, like Shin's is kind of set up to be, it usually ends with you killing Play violently. Oscar. Like, usually in an arc like that, the character dies. Yeah, I was going to say, there's a Shakespeare moment, right? And there was no Shakespeare moment for Shin. Yeah. Shin lives and kind of redeems himself, I guess. Shin is weird to talk about because the HD version slash the extended ending added an endpoint to Shin's arc. It's just not there in the original. And I really, really like that moment with Kira in the Cenotaph, but it isn't a climax, right? It's an end, but it's not a climax. Like I said at the start, Shin at the beginning really does feel like the main character to me, and then he just gets jettisoned and is in freefall for a while. I feel like Shin is more of the secondary protagonist to Atherin, because Atherin yeah. feels like the main character to me. And people say that all the time, even the director of the series, but like, what's Atherin's arc in this show? That's the thing, like, he feels like the main character because he's basically the focus for most of yeah. it, but he doesn't ever really have an arc that he completes. He kind of goes through the same motions as Gundam Seed, but it always feels more like half-hearted, like he's kind of just going through the motions because why not? Like, he signs it back on with Zaft, he then betrays Zaft, and it's like, dude, like, you did this already. 
Well, he's kind of having an identity crisis over, like, what am I if not a soldier? And But, like, again... If only somebody had given you a mafia speech about this. And you exactly. You could, like, go to her to talk about these concerns. <laughs> no, and had, like, known Kira. you since childhood. Gotta talk to his, uh... Gotta get Kira in the Ferrari and <laughs> <laughs> go for a drive. Oh, I see what happened. So this was actually just like an elaborate dating sim, and Atherin was just really trying to choose the Kira path, but Kira isn't actually a dateable character in that game. <laughs> yeah, because he's happy with Lacus, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I agree with Zach, though. I feel like Atherin is the main character. He's at least the focal character, but like he doesn't really develop interestingly. Like He gets the main character stabbed back into him at some point, but then it just kind of becomes an accessory to Kira. I also just think, even though he is at the center of some of the themes of identity, he's like the weakest expression of them, even compared to Kira, who is very, in my opinion, there. <laughs> doing all the things, but... Well, as you pointed out, because again, Kira's a character that doesn't have an arc. Yeah. Like, they want his arc to be, yes, he's going to get back in the mobile suit and understand that he sometimes has to do violence. The weird thing but... is he has the best ending to an arc, right? Yeah, like, he finally makes up his mind and is like, yes, I'm going to... You know, I'll fight to defend what I have, but it feels like he goes from zero to 90 without really getting in between. He's got the opposite problem of most characters, whereas his arc has a great ending and no beginning. The, in theory, beginning of his arc is uh, they did a poll, then (laughs) Durundle shot at his girlfriend. Like, that's kind of the the trigger for Kira's arc in this series, and before that, he's just kind of there. It feels like he goes from very listless, I'm not going to do anything, to, bitch, give me my keys. And I think there's a very, very good arc for Kira in this show, but I have to add so much to it, just like any of the other arcs, that it's not actually there. Yeah, I was actually going to say, I feel like uh, Neo slash Moo actually has a stronger arc than Athrun, even. And, like, that's a little disappointing, considering he's a very tangential character as far as the show is concerned. I feel like Moo's arc isn't what they actually show isn't as good as your seeming to think it is, because they do a lot of wink and a nod, as opposed to actually showing you any of it. And we've talked a lot about filling in a lot of the stuff for Moo's back, you know, Moo slash Neo Roanoke's arc. But I don't think the series actually does what you think it does. I think some of the most interesting stuff in Destiny actually happens in Neo Roanoke's head, when he's, like, reacting to the Minority Report pods, talking about, hey, is it okay that we take these memories from these people? Is it better that we do this? Unfortunately, that's never efficiently applied to him, but there's implicit application to him, so. Yeah, I will say I agree. The show doesn't actually show us a lot of stuff happening with him. I still think it's stronger than Athrun's arc. Okay, yeah, I guess that is fair. (laughs) It does kind of feel like they wanted to start, like they wanted identity to be a major portion of Destiny and and its whole thing. And it kind of, like, it kind of is, but it never really feels like they dive into it. It's more of like... You know, Destiny is like a three-foot wading pool, and Identity is on the top of it. And that's all they decided to go with. I think that's kind of unfair. I think the overwhelming theme of Identity is there throughout. I just don't think they ever do a good job of exploring it with any particular character. The way that Seed's themes of bigotry and prejudice actually get explored very well for a sci-fi series about Captain's America. I think Mir probably does the best on the theme of Identity, but the problem with that one is... She keeps like dropping in and out of the series, and then you really only get the whole identity thing in that one episode that's all about her after she dies. My big problem with it is actually mostly that I don't know that they have... I don't know what they're trying to say about it. They certainly want to talk about it, but I think they're just like, you know, 
just kind of pondering it. I don't know. They don't yeah. have a thesis. Exactly. And I've said many times before, I think Mir has the best arc in Gundam Sea Destiny. And after this watch, I stand by that statement. I think Mir actually has an arc with a midpoint, despite what you were just saying, Zach, where she refuses Atherin, where he's like, come with me if you want to live. And she's like, no, I am Lacus Klein. Like, I have to stay here. You have to be Atherin Zala and pilot the callback. I wasn't saying it wasn't. I was more of saying, like, the start point of her arc, we don't get until after it's over. Yeah, I think I guess that's fair. We examine it in retrospect. Yeah, which is not great. I will not defend that as I didn't during our original watching. That feels in many ways tacked on because they needed to feel space and budget. But I definitely agree with you, Jeremy. Mir has the best arc in this series. I was trying to decide whether I like Gladys as a person or as a character. And I think the answer is pretty neutral on both counts. I like Gladys up until the point when she makes a stupid choice at the end. Like, until they decided, you know, all this stuff about her mistrusting Durundal no longer applies. Yeah, it's just like Shin, we see so much of her questioning Durundal's motives and none of her are acting on it. Please. I actually have kind of an interesting thought on this. This is uh, Tyler's wife, Alex, everyone. Say hi, Alex. Hello. Hi, Alex. Hi, guys. I've been sitting here listening. I haven't seen the show, but as the token girl, <laughs> I have kind of an interesting thought on that, which is... Yeah, she's questioning all of these motivations. She's not sure how she feels about this guy, but there's a whole lot to be said for the devil you know, right? So she has spent so much time in this environment that even if she is questioning it, when push comes to shove, I don't actually know that it's that unbelievable that she would say, I've spent a whole lot of time with this, and I'm going to stay with this. I think that's where they're trying to go with it, actually. The, the problem is that I don't know that it's dramatically very satisfying. And, and, like, as a piece of media, I'm not sure that it's, like, super interesting that that happens. Because she also never explicitly states, like, I am loyal to you. Although she does choose to die with him at the end, which I think is a pretty explicit statement. Yeah, so, so, <laughs> so maybe not dramatically satisfying, but maybe still... Real? Yeah, and I've actually made a very similar argument for Shin, who's in a very similar situation, except for he never had sex with the guy that we know. And I think there is a real realism to it, but the problem is that it's a sequel to a series that's about fuck realism. We're idealistic teenagers. We can have sex so hard, we destroy the military industrial complex and end racism. This realistic take is not a great chaser to that. You know, <laughs> but a mom is not a teenager. True, true. Anyways. This has been my cameo. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Toodles. Thanks, Alex. And if you're wondering why Zach didn't say anything, it's because Zach and Alex are secretly the same person. <laughs> uh. I mean, Alex has a point with that, but even with, you know, her going into detail on that, I feel like it's just not satisfying because it feels a little bit like a Chekhov's distrust or, uh, you know, a Chekhov's gun situation. You know what the real problem with it is, is that we're, we're told that she loved him at some point. That happened in the past. They're not together. She's conflicted about it, but we're never shown that she's conflicted about it ever. I mean, oh, in little bits, like the fact that they are explicitly having sex in the beginning of the series when they're And that's never on touched on again, yeah. right? Like, we're implied that she does a lot of the stuff that he asks because of that. But like, but we, he, they also have this awkward power dynamic where he is her boss. Yeah, exactly. Right. And like, I feel like what we needed to have happen is like, have her thoughts on the matter be a little bit more explicit. Not all the time, but some of the time. I, well, I mean, you can see it in her facial expressions a lot of times that it's like things that he's said to her don't add up. 
Like, yeah. They, like, trust is being drained away. I think the real problem for both her and Shin is I actually think the story Alex pitched is very good, and it's a way to fix Destiny. But we are shown on screen a lot of them doubting, and not a lot of them being like, oh, but the devil I know, or oh, but I trust him, or... Yeah. I believe I, I believe in him more yeah. more of I, than I trust him. I believe in him. Like he will do the right thing with this. Yeah, and that's what I meant. I guess by saying I wish it was a little bit more explicit. Like I want their motivation to be stated at some point. The, the closest they get to that is after the Lacus versus Mir reveal, and Gladys says Lacus Klein isn't our boss. Like, that's about the closest they get to somebody saying, but Durundle is, and I believe in Durundle. I believe in the chairman. But even then, it's more a matter of attached to, because there are now two Lacuses and people are now kind of on the what the hell is going on stage, and it's more of a focus them, not a look at my character motivation. Yeah. I think that would have been a fun story to explore, and I don't think we did. So, <laughs> yeah, that story was there. We could have read it. Anything we want to say on the druggies? Because boy, is still frustrating. <sighs> okay, the druggies. Man, I bad idea. They, I forgot they existed. I don't think they're a bad idea. I think they link in really well with the themes of the story. I think making Stella like a airheaded retard is a bad idea. <laughs> bad idea was, a, was that was the knee jerk reaction. But as you started speaking, I realized that bad idea wasn't quite what I meant. Bad execution. Yes, I'll one hundred percent. Because like you said, they do fit in with the theme of identity because their identity is basically being rewritten every single day, but they don't explore it and having Stella be like, it's more of a problem with Stella because you have the two guys that are with her seem to be like they're sociopaths, but they're normal high functioning sociopaths. Stella is like a five-year-old. She's like the worst execution of this like Gundam manic pixie dream girl trope. And that's not a good trope to begin with. I feel like it really stands out because of the fact that you have the two with her that don't seem to exhibit the same issues. I feel like if they were more like her or she was more like them, it would work a bit better because then it ties them all together more. But I don't think you can really have the two of them be like her because then how... Do they operate? I feel like it would also work if she was more like them and just no. like a regular ass person. <laughs> I think uh, that works like that one actually works. I'm just saying the other way around because she stands out as the outlier because of this. I actually really in be interested in exploration of like their lack of identity because their identities are being overridden every day might have been actually a very interesting story. And I think they kind of try to hint at that with her relationship with Shin, right? But it doesn't really go anywhere. Yeah. Like, they definitely touch on it, but they don't really explore the ramifications of that as far as their personal... Like, I would have loved if they had, like, a moment of rebellion where they were, like, forcefully tranquilized and then had their memories rewritten again. Yeah. Um, that would have been awesome, but that's not a scene we get. And like we talked about, there's such an obvious link between them and Rey and Neo that the series just never picks up. Like, do you think it would have been better for them to continue to exist through more of the series? It's really hard for me to say because the series is so packed with characters and that midpoint, like Stella, for good or ill, is meant to die, right? Sting and Owl will learn nothing so without Stella. Once she's gone, you really just have to clear the table. Maybe if one of them had defected with Neo, that could have been super, super interesting. But we've kind of seen that story. 
I wanted to bring it up because obviously they are characters. They are there. Sting gets killed effectively off screen. Yeah. Twice. Twice. (laughs) I think there's one more character we need to talk about. Probably a shoe-in for most frustrating, which is one Miss Kigali Yula Atha. Oh, Okay, yeah. Who was already most frustrating in Gundam Seed. And they just dialed it up to a I mean, Does she get an extra star for that? Does she win Mario Party? <laughs> I, I, in Seed, like you could see what she should have been. And she even got to kind of do things. I mean, she was never really allowed to succeed and be a spotlight character. But here in Destiny, they removed Kigali and replaced her with Crygali for so much. And then at the end, when everything started happening and she finally got to do something, she got sidelined. Yeah, what's really weird is she gets to do way more in Destiny than that she actually didn't see it, right? Her Akatsuki moment is a moment, the thing we were crying for in in the original series. Yeah, it just feels like she does more because she feels more of a person of action in Seed because she is with the Desert Dawn. She gets in the Sky Grasper. Like, she doesn't do anything in either of those situations, really, but it gives more of the impression of a character of action. But she also gets to express herself through actions. Like, that's one of the things I love about her in Seed, is that she's a physically expressive character. Like when she punches Kira? Yeah, exactly. Her emotions manifest as physical actions, and I like that a lot. But, on the other hand, I think that's why she's disappointing in Destiny specifically, is because that's not how she behaves. And arguably, you could say that's because she's grown up as a person, and she doesn't express herself that way anymore. But, like, I think that was one of the things that made her an interesting character in the first place. Here's my theory on this. My theory is actually a matter of she is trying, like she is acting as she believes a person her age should be acting, but that's not actually growing up. That's artificially forcing an attitude, but it's not, obviously it's not working, but it makes her feel so much worse and she doesn't revert or anything like that. Nobody calls her out on her actions or how she's acting and be like, no, you need to be more you. This isn't you or anything like that. She just kind of gets like, Okay, she's just going to be a big crybaby now. Yeah, again, it's one of the... I feel like they planted the seeds of that story and then just never explore it. I feel like that's a lot of Destiny, is they plant a lot of seeds and then forget to water any of them. Yep. All right, do kind of a turn. In our last episode of Destiny, you threw kind of a curveball at me, Tyler, that I reacted to in a weird way. So we do our segment at the end where we rank mobile suits, mostly to talk about mobile suit designs. And you said you like the Destiny, which is totally fair, but it threw me such a loop I never asked why. Interesting. Um, I don't know. It's got a lot of elements going for it. I like the design of its sword. I like its color palette. I like the stupid, like, bullet time slow motion <laughs> thing that it does. I think it's just a fun suit. Yeah, totally fair. I didn't mean to defend. It's just, like, that's what the segment is for. And I was so caught off guard by you being like, yeah, I like the Destiny that I never... Well, I mean, you're so used to being around me who's constantly calling it things like the kitchen sink Gundam and referencing how much I don't like it. Yeah, and I actually kind of like that it's a kitchen sink, so. (laughs) Would you like it if it were orange? Huh. Interesting question. Probably not as much. I think its color scheme is one of the things it's Okay, so Tyler does not like the uh, Heine Weston Flues Custom Destiny Gundam? (laughs) Probably not, but the fact that it's a Heine Weston Flues Custom... Might bring it up just a little bit, but I, I suspect I would prefer the original Destiny. Honestly, like having looked at it because I have it in the Gundam game, it's too orange. Like, I feel like you want multiple colors to offset each other, but it's just like pure orange. I do like, so Jeremy's searching for a picture of it right now, and one of the things they have is a Heine Weston Fluce 
Destiny Gundam shirt that's got like a bunch of chevrons in Heine Weston Hoof's colors. I'm actually into that shirt. <laughs> so, uh, that's not bad. It's not nearly as orange as you implied it was. Well, it's because it's orange with red. Like, yeah, it, the red the helps problem, a ton. Well, the problem, like the one that I've seen, it doesn't have as much red in it. But like, I feel like having the two warm colors and you don't have anything offsetting them. Yeah, I actually think it's too much white, which is weird. Um, it's because there's no dark color. Yeah. So it feels very, very bright. It is the Sherbert Gundam. It needs black accents, I think, like on the Ooh. front. Yeah, if the need... red was replaced with black or the white was replaced with black. It yeah. just needs, it really needs a dark color to work, in my opinion. But as I... Any other final thoughts you have on Destiny, Tyler? I don't think anything that I haven't already said. It was fine. It sure was an anime. It was kind of disappointing. It was not the worst thing I've ever seen. Definitely not the best thing I've ever seen. Like I said, it's no Seed. Seed was actively good. All right. So we have some questions here from listeners. Thank you very much for sending these in. The way you announced that, it sounded like you were going to rank the questions. <laughs> Jailbert, number three, asks... <laughs> Jailbert asks, what mobile suit from Destiny would you guys prefer to pilot if you lived in the Gundam universe, and why? I'm sorry, Jeremy. I keep, when, you, when you've been saying his name, I keep hearing Jailbert. <laughs> I'm sorry, Jailbert. That's on me. <laughs> yeah, which is funny because I think he's like one of the few people that lives in state. So like he's the person we're most likely to physically meet in person at some point. So my legit answer to that question is the Akatsuki because it's laser proof and I don't like dying. Zach, I have to go with the boring one and say the strike freedom because I can outrun anything I can't outgun and I can outgun anything I can't outrun. Both those answers feel like cheating to me. I was thinking, ah, oh, we can't use Gundams. Obviously, I've said before, the Freedom Gundam is my favorite vehicle in fiction, and it appears in Destiny, technically. So <laughs> I'm not a Zaft coordinator, but I would love one of those Gunnerzakis. So if we are saying purely grunt mobile suit, I would probably go with the Goof Ignited. Is that uh, the Heine Wessenflus Goof? That's just the Goof in general in that okay. one. Uh, the go it's called the Goof Ignited, just like the Zaku is... Zaku Warrior. Zaku Warrior. Um, it's just to differentiate it from the original Goof of uh, Standard Gundam. I think Zach's going to hate this answer, but again, if we're limited into grunt suits, uh, the Mirasame. I was highly considering the Mirasame. That was one of my favorite grunt suits for a very long time. I just feel like I would throw up in that thing. <laughs> that's rare. I feel like I'm resistant to G-forces, but I don't know. I haven't done astronaut training, so. I just like, one reason why I like the goof is because of the fact that it's got the, the gun is in the wrist, so the only way I'm losing that gun is, is if somebody takes hand. that arm. Also, I like the, the energy whip as a weapon, so. It's got a lot of flexibility, too. Yeah. Zeonj2000 asks, the big one, which we were going to have to talk about even if no one asked it, but I don't know if I'm ready. How do you guys think the movie will connect to Seed and Destiny? Oh, boy. Hear me um, out. Um, okay. Aliens. Okay. Are you just pulling a super robot wars? <laughs> no, this is actually a joke angled towards Jeremy. I was going I, to say, tread carefully, Zach, because I, I really want to respond to this joke, but I can't. I feel like it's kind of going to end up being a situation where you have Blue Cosmo. It's going to be another iteration. Although I would like, this is, I don't know if it's going to connect this way. I would like a significant focus on Shin. And potentially, like, years later, and it's actually the problem child or the person leading the rebellion or whatever it is, is Gladys's son. Interesting. Because if you think about it, if you look at it the wrong, you know, from his perspective, Kira slash Lacus and Atherin, 
they all contributed to killing his mother. And depending on her relationship with her husband at the time, he couldn't actually tell because they didn't go into it, could easily bring the kid up believing this and him ending up le- like basically leading a rebellion or joining a terrorist cell and being the problem. I like that. Um, it also gives Shin a chance to explain his final thoughts on everything that happened at the end of Destiny, which... Well, also, Shin would probably not be one of, like, the top-ranking people in the army, as Kira is basically in charge of Zafts, and and, uh, Atherin is in charge of uh, Orbs. Yeah, but there is that scene at the end of Destiny now where Kira asks him to fight with them, and a whole bunch of model kits imply that they then went off and made their own, like, Peacemaker Force Londo Bell style. That's Luna, Shin, Atherin, and Kira. Well, I mean, that would make some sense. I'm just saying that if you're looking at just what what that has, um, like you could easily have Kira and Atherin step up because they need to stop whatever super prototype is being used by the terrorist cell. I was drawing a blank to attack everybody. So they had to go get their mobile suits out again. I mean, that idea is way, way better than another Relicruce A clone tries to shoot the Earth with a Death Star, which if there were Vegas odds on this movie, I would go put my life savings down on. <laughs> I mean, I I will admit, my idea for this is actually largely inspired by the plot of Endless Waltz. So, they've oh. done it before, but I feel like the pieces are in place that you could do that pretty well. I think the problem with that is that is a more interesting story than they're willing to tell. Yeah, the real question to me is how much of the original script was done slash are they going to use for this? Because the writer's been dead for three years, but they'd been working on this for like 12 years before that. So depending on what you wanted to do, you could easily do what we were kind of talking about for the Evangelion movie three, where basically a lot of that stuff happened in between the the movies. But because they didn't want to like finalize the script from a dead woman, kind of out of respect or whatever. A lot of the events that might have occurred in that are kind of implied to have occurred in the time span. Because my idea would have a pretty large time span. I mean, we're talking at least like five, six years. Yeah, it's enough time. It's been 20 years nearly since the series aired. You can try to age up with your audience. Depending on how That's it. Kira's only allowed to look 17. So (laughs) Kira and Lacus were allowed to eat even less in the (laughs) intervening years. Hopefully hopefully they were allowed a cheeseburger in there. No, there was a famine after the Second War, and they are even more emaciated. Okay, so that's my idea. What is is yours? I I don't think I necessarily answered the the question, but... You kind of did, yeah. You you gave a possible plot that has connections. Okay, so hear me out. Force Ghost Patrick Zala. Uh, possesses his son and we get Atherin's counterattack. <laughs> I really want Atherin to be the villain of this movie and I don't think there's any way to reasonably make it work that does not feel totally disrespectful to Atherin's character. Did you have a serious? No, I did not actually have a serious response to that. Yeah, I don't know, man. I still don't believe that movie's coming out. I'll be watching it in a theater and being like, I'm pretty sure this is a dream. And then you'll wake up. But hey, we'll be sitting there right with you if it does. Yeah, look. Hopefully that was an easy answer, Zianj. I like Zach's idea for that movie a lot better than what's probably going to actually happen, though. Yeah. So. so do I, which is why I'm never going to, I'm not going to ever be, uh, not disappointed. I'm Sat- never going to re- not. You're not going to be satisfied with whatever it is? Yes, that's yeah. the word I'm looking for. I'm not going to be satisfied or disappointed. Like, if it happens, that's just going to be so wild to me. I will just accept it. And it can't make Destiny any worse or better to me. It's just going to be a check mark. I mean, if maybe it'll be super good, but I'm not counting on that. That would be great. And in that case, I get a surprise. And yay. Slack asks, does Seed's story stop at Seed or did Destiny need to be made after all? 
Slack, I want to answer this question in an incredibly cynical way. Seed didn't need to happen. It existed to make money. Same with Destiny. And I think there was plenty of potential in the Gundam Seed universe and with those characters to continue. So me being less cynical, I think Seed, like you could easily end Seed with the end of Seed. Like you don't need to continue. There is a large universe there and there are stories to tell. But you didn't need to make Destiny. Like you said, Destiny was made because <laughs> look how much money Seed made. And to be fair, Destiny, not good. Still made a lot of money. More than Gundam Seed. I actually have a legit answer to that question. And I will say, I don't know that Destiny needed to happen. I think it was perfectly fine that it did. Like I said, they planted a lot of very interesting story seeds. And just nothing ever came of any of them. So Destiny could have been great. And it was instead the bad side of mediocre. Speaking as a 14-year-old who stayed up till midnight every Friday, including when he slept over at his friend Zach's house, waited for Zach to go to bed and then watch Gundam Seed on his TV in his edition. I really, really like the ending of Gundam Seed, but I did not then. It's so ambiguous with Kira just like floating in space, being like, oh man, did we even solve anything? That I, like I said, wanted the sequel that was just him making out with Lacus Klein for 50 episodes. And I kind of <laughs> got that. Turned out, careful what you wish for. I don't think Destiny in any way detracts from Seed. Even with the, the Neo Roanoke is the biggest thing, right? Of It undercuts that death heavily. But even then, that death still has power. And I can watch that scene and be like, Mulaflaga is dead. Even knowing that Neo Roanoke is going to show up and be a, not a clone. I think I agree, actually. And like, Seed is a overall very satisfying show for me. I liked it a lot. And I like a lot of stuff they tried in Destiny. Like I've said before, I really like Shinosuke as a foil to Kira Yamato as a protagonist. I just wish they told Shinosuke's story, which leads us pretty well into R.J. Walker's question. A lot of people feel Shin should have defected at some point. I've always felt that Shin spiraling deeper and staying loyal was the more realistic outcome. It doesn't make for a very likable character, but I think that was never truly the point. People say Shin lacks character development. I say that he has a lot of character development, but since it's all about a negative spiral into villainy, people feel he doesn't have development. Where do you guys stand on Shin's arc and him staying loyal right until the end? I think this is very similar to what Alex was saying and yeah. ties in very well. And when she was talking about it, could not help but think of this question. Yeah, uh, I actually had the same thought. I feel like we actually kind of answered this in response to Alex's comment. And like, I actually like Shin's arc. I wish it had had a bit more of a climactic ending. My thing with Shin's arc related to this question is the reason why people think he should have defected is because... Every single thing we're shown of Shin, he's basically not on board. Like, he doesn't seem to be, like, getting, you know, okay, yeah, more and more on the side of Durundal. It seems with more, every action Durundal takes, more of Shin is like, am I on the right side? It's more and more questioning, not more and more falling into line with the jackboots. The story you're telling, R.J. Walker, I think is a good story, and I would have loved if Destiny told it. I think the problem and the reason people want Shin to defect is it seems to be telling that story. And I think part of the problem is you're primed to expect that after watching Gundam Seed, a story all about people defecting. <laughs> I think another part of the pr problem is that we never get Shin's motivation for staying loyal, which is kind of what we touched on earlier as to why it's not a super satisfying character arc. If we had gotten some snippets of like, but all my friends are here, we get that implicitly, but like we're filling in the blanks for the show. Yeah, Shin ends up in many ways being like Shinji, and his problem is he doesn't act, right? Even if he maybe thinks he's on the wrong side, but we don't really get that either. His climactic moment is him trying to kill Luna by mistake. It doesn't play at all, 
that doesn't feel like the tragic end to his story. Well, especially because early on in the series, Shin is very much a character that is kind of portrayed to be not quite disdainful of authority, but very much on the side of he's going to toe the line, and if he thinks authority is in the wrong, he's going to make up his own mind. But instead, we're basically, as Shin goes, or as the series progresses, Shin goes more and more away from, I will do what I think is right, which is what his character is portrayed in earlier, and then without really any reason, I'm going to fall in line. So something that the early episodes did that I think actually made Shin have some like character flaws that would have been really good for making him a true villain by the end of the show like he's a glory hound we know that he's prone to fits or fits of violent rage he's uh, got a hero complex and that he's the one who thinks he has to save the day he thinks he's the main character and that doesn't like we never really use that at the end as his reason for staying loyal like we never give like Durundal being like you're such a good pilot and people love you and, which and is like, super weird when Durundal is super like that's in line with the Rundle's exactly. viewpoints, right? Yeah. Especially because, like, before that, his arc has always been kind of pulling back on the hero complex. When he, Whenever he was talking to Athrun, like, Athrun seemed to be pulling him back. And then just at the end, it's just like, okay, I'll stay with the Rundle, even though it doesn't seem like I actually really believe in this plan. And then I'm going to go ahead and try and kill Luna by mistake reasons which could have worked if we had played up his like fits of violent rage more which never happened like we just kind of drop that yeah and remember back in gundam seed where andrew waltfell is comparing kira to a berserker if shin seed mode had always been more like that yeah maybe but rj walker also asks will you be making an episode on stargazer the total runtime is only around 45 minutes so a single episode should suffice I would like to do Stargazer maybe after Double O or another series to come back to the Cosmic Era later. Is that even available? That's to the us? thing is I, I I'm sure I could make it appear, but I don't think it's ever been easily or legally available in the United States. I mean, I've experienced Stargazer through the lens of SD Gundam Generation Crossrays, <laughs> but that's about it. So yeah, I would like to do that at some point, probably not in the near future, maybe around the time the movie's coming out, but th that may never happen, so I don't want to set that as a hard date. I think that would be something worth exploring, for sure. But also, we talked about earlier, did Destiny need to happen? Like I said, there are pros and cons. Stargazer really doesn't need to happen. It's just, webisodes have been invented. Why don't we have some webisodes? All right, Bag of Magic Food, this is not quite a question, but... Uh, and while you save Gundam Evolve or after you've discussed every Gundam story ever, I don't think there's any meat on Gundam Evolve. It's not its purpose. What the hell is Gundam yeah, Evolve? Yeah, I don't even know what that is. It's a CGI series that's just glory fights. It's like not total what-if fights. A lot of times there's lore behind the fights that does fit into the universe in which they take place. But it's a lot of like, here's another Strike Gundam and another Aegis Gundam that were built that happened to fight. It's mostly just like cinematic cheesecake. Yeah. Also, he says, huh, I just remembered I myself was meaning to listen some, to some Gundam Seed audio drama I found online, but then I put it off and totally forgot about it. I read this one to mention, I'm sure it's come up before, but the real Gundam Seed audio drama that exists, that's Isaac's mom from prison trying to set him up on blind dates during <laughs> Destiny. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, I think I might need to listen to that. That's amazing. I've never been translated. Oh, that's so sad. Also, as an excuse, I thought I had brought this up, and maybe I have, but I was re-listening to some stuff and don't know that I ever did, to just talk about the one time Google decided, here, this seems like the exact center of your interests, Jeremy. And I'm like, hmm, 
I wish it was better written when it sent me a fanfic that was Flay Ulster having died, come back as a succubus to seduce Isaac Jewell. Um, I'm not going to lie. That seems weirdly up your alley. Yeah, no, I'm like, correct, Google. I would have liked if this was written by someone competent, though. No, it seems like the exact cross-section. Maybe Lacus Klein needs to be there. I mean, I guess it just goes to show you that not all fanfiction is terrible, although that one doesn't sound particularly good. That is true, Zach. That is not the moral of this story. Uh, Hadrian asked, which of the Astray stories would you consider is worth turning into an anime? And does the various organizations working in the background of the main story add or remove from the story? So I'm the only one who's read much of the Astray stuff, and it's very little. Zach's played SD Generations Crossways, as we mentioned. I know they exist. That's the extent of my knowledge about them. They get wild. They start with another clone of Raul Cruce and Kira Yamato, and they get wilder from there. Huh, another Kira running around might be interesting. Yeah, he's the liquid snake of Kira Yamato in that he got all the recessive genes and has an inferiority complex, but the Eurasian Federation found him and built him an invincible Gundam. They stole the nuclear engine off the prototype freedom slash justice machine to give to him. Ah. Huh. Durundal tries to trick him into assassinating Kira Yamato, but he decides that tracks. he's had character development and doesn't want that. Um, his name is Arik. <laughs> I don't remember what his name oh, is. I, I Soma had Pierce him. is coming to mind, and that is a different character from a different Gundam series. Uh, I do not remember his name. Conrad Pierce? Is that it? I don't know if it's Conrad. That sounds like too normal of a name. Uh, anyway, I would watch an Astray anime, but I'm not the person to ask about that first one. As for the second question, I think the manga stuff actually ties in pretty well, and I like stuff like the Serpent Tail Mercenary Group and Logao's Wandering Repairmen Factory, which is decent as an excuse to explain how do they keep repairing these ships when they have no supply line. Logao Miracle Mechanic? Yeah. And owner of the Astray Red Frame? Yes. But I think things like the Factory and Terminal just take away from the story, which I don't think is what you are asking about, but is what came to my mind right away. Well, those ones, I think, uh, those do detract because we never get any information. They are proper nouns with no detail. And I didn't need much detail, just a little bit. And Grant Morrison, a total hypocrite, once said, nobody cares who pumps air into the tires on the Batmobile. (laughs) And there is a little bit of truth to that, but I like that the manga takes what is a reasonable question and proposes an answer for it. Whereas stuff like Terminal and the Factory just seems like a don't worry about it. And well, clearly th- it's Alfred and Robin. Yeah. I think that's because they mention the air pumping tire guy, but they don't mention anything else about him. They're just like, oh, yeah, this dude, Todd, comes in <laughs> and uh, comes into the Batcave and pumps air into the tire. And then they don't explain anything else about it. It's not even Todd. It's like Todd's cleanup crew. <laughs> yeah, because Todd is one of the Robins. Okay, yeah. Some call him choice. Jason. Poor choice in name. One last question from R.J. Walker, which is kind of the other big one, although he tries to tiptoe around it. Since, how would you change destiny? It's such a broad question. A better question would be, what would change while sticking to the core events of the show? Shin defecting would be something I consider a massive departure from the core events to the point where it's a different story. The same thing with Kira dying when Shin defeats him. These two are the most common changes people suggest, so I want you to avoid repeating these ideas. Um, I think I, Shin defecting. <laughs> no, I will say there is a point that we discussed that Shin defecting would have made perfect sense. Ignoring that, man, there's a lot of stuff I wish they'd done anything with from the beginning, but I think those would have actually had major ramifications I, throughout the story. I think early on here, taking taking Shin defecting off of the table, 
when Atherin is confronting Shin, instead of Shin like taking it to heart, him becoming more and more like resistant to what Atherin is saying, and kind of showing him becoming more and more on Ray's Ray's side, like later you're not on, my dad, <laughs> uh, kind of along those lines, and just really just showing Shin and them, you know, becoming more and more loyal to the chairman and his plans as things are moving along. That would be a good change to that, or you know, th- this is bit of a one of those situations where i don't know if it would have worked out from person like the voice actor but heine not dying early on and basically ending up as being ray and heine versus atherin on shin's shoulders i actually would have liked that a lot i liked heine as an interesting character and then he just exploded they came from behind (laughs) um i'm going to go with a very weird answer because i actually don't think this is better and it's in many ways the opposite of what I've been saying I want the change to destiny to be. The thing is, so many of the changes I want require what I would consider big changes. Mm. Just make care of the main character. Give him that arc. He doesn't have to be in the first episode, but give him the arc I talked about where he's down in the dumps. Show him having flashbacks to Flay, like talking to Lacus and seeing Flay and freaking out. And have him go from accepting that he is the ultimate coordinator. He is the person who killed many people and have that same ending on his arc. Just make the start of it, him and Lacus wanting to be normal people and having nothing to do with this, and having to make the realization, no, we're adults, we have to take responsibility for the world around us. So just your your ideas lock it in on Kira very much? Yeah. Actually, I could get behind that. It would have made a much more satisfying story. I think by that same token, you could have explored a lot of the kind of side characters' arcs. Like, I think exploring Gladys's motivations just a little bit more would have made her story a lot more satisfying. And I think you do that with three or four more side characters, and suddenly you have a much more satisfying show. I think I've said it in the past. I mean, what is, stories are all about character. Everything else is secondary. A story is the characters. So locking into me, like, okay, Kira's our main character. He, he, Kira and Lacus are our main characters. Atherin is going to be, like, a, a side character, but still important. And then go with that idea. Instead of here where it's like, okay, we got a few guys in here, and then we're going to go focus on this dude for a little while, and then we're going to go hang out with this guy. And I guess Kira is extremely popular, so bring him back in. And you just kind of end up with a weird soup of characters floating around without anything really going in to flavor it. At the end of Gundam Seed, we were asked about Diarca, and we kind of talked about how you can do a perfect synopsis about Gundam Seed and not mention Diarca, but his arc is so good because it's a supporting character arc that supports the themes of the other characters' arcs. And Destiny is completely missing that. Hadrian asks, Do you think that the Destiny Gundam supposedly being intended as a mass production model, evidenced by the Heine West influence version and info about it, may have affected the design of the Gundam to its more throw-one-of-everything-on-it-and-call-it-good mentality we see in the show? Or am I giving the writers too much credit? I want to sort of cut this question off at the pass, starting out with, I don't think the Destiny Gundam was ever supposed to be mass production. I think it was supposed to be limited production. And pretty much every one of suit we see in the more realistic series get that so they can tell stories with other units of that and say there was a Destiny Gundam here and they can sell high Western Western versions of it as a toy. Like I, the Easy 8 for instance? Yeah. Or like the fact that there are canonically eight RX-78 units, even though we see two on screen. I think also saying, are we giving the writers too much credit is a little bit weird because the people who wrote the fiction about the Heine Weston flu special were trying to sell toys and were probably people very invested in the Gundam Sea Destiny trying to make it work. Not people who actually wrote the story, who, who I guarantee you did not have a Heine Weston flu Destiny Gundam in mind. 
because the Destiny Gundam was a one-off because that's how the tropes in this series work. So we know what the main character is. Wasn't there a, like a Miguel custom Gundam as well? Or am I... Miguel had a custom gin. Okay, it was, a custom, it was a custom gin. All right. So anyway, I kind of cut that question off, but is there anything you guys want to say on it? Uh, I honestly think it would have been giving the writers way too much credit. <laughs> yeah, I don't think they planned that far away. I don't think they did because of the way these are generally written. If it was intended to have more than one built, it would have been much more of a limited run, I think. I think as a third point to why this is not really accurate, keep in mind that Gundam designs and storytelling very rarely go hand in hand. It's not like the writers are given a Gundam and said, hey, you have to do this most of the time. But people are designing a bunch of things to be cool toys and mobile suits, and then they're picking the ones they want. And keep in mind, especially with the Destiny, it was a rejected choice for the Freedom Gundam because they did not think they could make it work on their animation budget. Yeah, I mean... Which they really, really liked it. They just didn't think it was practical. That's what you get when you develop it, and then you end up with stuff like this uh, covert operation with absolutely no supporting structure armed (laughs) exclusively with ballistic weapons like the heavy arms. I will say I also think that the uh, Destiny being a kitchen sink Gundam had nothing to do with mass availability for pilots. Yeah, even in-universe? Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, if it was designed for mass production, it would have been more designed of not so much like put one of everything on it, but more along the lines of the pack system that the Zaku's had, because you don't want to make your guys know how to use everything on it, because that's way more than you need to tell somebody to train on. Yeah, I think in-universe, it was like, Shin knows how to use all these weapons. We are sparing no expense. This unit needs to be able to do everything because the Rundle wants to send him on missions to do everything. So we'll give him a bit of everything that he has. Final question from formerly Scarfman. If Kira, Athen, and Shin played League of Legends, how would that play out? <laughs> okay. See, I'm imagining them playing together, although I think everyone else is uh, uh, opposing. Okay, no, so I-, I was thinking about this this morning. So basically, how this works is you have Kira playing top lane. Lacus plays mid lane, but she exclusively plays supporting uh, mids. So like she Oriana, only plays Seraphine and Sona. Oriana, <laughs> Sona, Seraphine. Atherin is playing his jungle. Yeah. And then you have in the bottom lane, you have Shin with uh, Luna Maria as his support. That makes more sense. I want the Kasha to be support. <laughs> I was actually going to ask if Kira would play support because I feel like that's in line with his character. No, see, Kira wanted to play support, but then everybody was like, no, dude, you're way too good. So they were going to put him in the AD carry role, but sh- they realized that Kira works much better if he's operating alone. So they put him in top lane, whereas <laughs> Lunamaria and Shin's synergy as a pair that's been working together for so long is just such an incredible synergy. And Atherin, because he's been on every side, it just works really well out of the jungle, and Lacus is just a really good shot-calling mid. No, that's fair. Uh, that all we, tracks. We must take the turret. <laughs> the turret does not fall. She, <laughs> Our nexus will be next. <laughs> she's CSing and typing in all chat. <laughs> Atherin, give me the blue buff. <laughs> I require the blue buff. Shin, the red buff is available. Is no, this, Shin, you're too deep. Is this the type of man you want to be? <laughs> Uh, I had way more fun coming up with that answer to this question (laughs) than I thought I actually was going to. Hey, everybody. It is Jeremy from the future here, cutting in to add just a few things to our question and answer segment. We got a few more questions shortly after we recorded. And since I am editing the episode, I figured I would just give quick responses to them, especially since one is not directed at me, but mentions me more than the others. 
First up, we have a question from Ashley that she sent via our email. Thank you very much for that, Ashley. Ashley says, I had to reach out to let you know I've loved listening to your Gundam Seed and Destiny episodes. I found it during quarantine and it saved me from a bit of boredom. I first watched Gundam Seed when it was airing on Cartoon Network as a little kid with my brother and have loved it ever since. I do have to wonder if you were staying up until midnight to watch those episodes as a little kid, but I did the same thing, so that's very nostalgic for me. I really enjoyed listening to other people discuss my favorite show and hear Jeremy describe his passion for it. I also loved knowing there is someone out there who ships Lacus and Kira as hard as I ship Athrun and Kigali. I do ship them very, very hard. My question is a random logistical one about coordinator reproduction. After the first generation, are the children they have automatically coordinators, or would they have to have natural children unless they go in and alter their genes every time? Or could there be half-coordinator, half-naturals? So I'm actually very glad that we didn't have this question on the episode because I had to do a little bit of research into it. I would have had the right answer, which is that if two coordinators have a child, that child is also a coordinator. That makes sense to me because the genes would already be altered. I'm not a geneticist, but it makes sense to me. I imagine that would also mean you can't have a half natural, half coordinator because the coordinator genes from the coordinator would transfer over the same way it would between two coordinators. Although that is all my speculation. My source for this is the Gundam Wiki, which unfortunately does not have a source of its own. I would guess that this comes up in the first clip episode of Seed when they describe George Glenn and coordinators. But that is the answer to your question, Ashley. Thank you very much for listening. Ashley also goes on to say that uh, she's never really been able to get into another Gundam series, but she might try so she can keep following with the podcast. Thank you very much for considering that, Ashley. Double O is not the greatest series for shipping. If that is really what you like Gundam for, I would highly, highly recommend Gundam Build Fighters. It might even be more shippable than Gundam Seed. Not Gundam Build Divers, but Gundam Build Fighters. It is all available on YouTube. There was never a dub for it. You are going to have to watch it subtitled if that was a problem. But it is one of my favorite Gundam series, and I think you would get a kick out of it. We also had a question from formerly Scarfman on our Discord that was not put in our question and answer Discord, so I did not think to ask it on the podcast, but then I was looking at it and decided I might as well. Formerly Scarfman asked, I swear Zach was saying that he had a joke that he was going to tell at the end of Destiny. Did he forget to tell it or did I miss it? Uh, that was our joke about all the people on the moon, which Zach and I have been joking about since before this podcast was a gleam in my eye. So if you're curious about that also, that is the answer to that. I just want to take a quick moment to thank all of our listeners, everyone on Discord especially. We love talking to you guys. Everybody who supports us on Patreon, a huge, huge thanks to you. But even anyone who's just listening and has no intention of ever talking to us, thank you very much. If you enjoyed our Gundam Seed coverage and are going to stop listening to it and are planning to stop listening, Thank you all the same for all of those who are planning to go into Double O with us. Thank you very much. If you want to support the podcast and don't want to give us money every month, just telling a friend about us, especially now that we're going into Double O, would be a tremendous help. Thank you all very much from the bottom of my heart, and I will let you guys get back to the rest of the episode. Thank you very much for those questions, everyone. One last order of business. In the Nadesco episode of our clip show, Hell, we added the Geki Gengar 3 to our, 
mobile suit list. Unfortunately, we had an incomplete version of our mobile suit list. It was not updated at the time. So there is one more question we have to decide to figure out its permanent ranking. Is the Geki Ginger 3 better or worse than the Kapool? <laughs> the, the Momo Kapool. No, 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 the, the regular one? It's uh, better. Uh, uh, better than the Kapool? Because, God, that thing is terrible. <laughs> That's two out of three, I think. So. Yeah, okay. So the Geki Ginger 3 goes above the Kapool and below whatever is above that. All right. We have one more fun little thing to do. So when we finish Gundam Seed, we watch the Gundam Seed character theater episodes related to Gundam Seed afterwards. So we went ahead and did that for Gundam Seed Destiny as well. Tyler asked me with dread, Jeremy, are these as good as the ones for Gundam Seed? <laughs> it turns out, no, they're better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that second Gundam Seed one is really not great. The de- second Destiny one maybe goes a little too far, but... It, it, I think it's very funny. It, it might go a little bit too long in its joke, but it is also still really funny. Yeah, no, I definitely prefer the first Destiny. I think the first Destiny one is the best. Yeah, um, I think so. Although the lack of speech in the very first. I one, was going to say that's the best gag in all of them. I think is lack is giving the speech to the stray Baku. Wow. Did we recap yes, these? We okay. <laughs> ow. Just, just <laughs> ow. Poor Shin, Rei, and Luna being released, reduced to this like magical girl team rocket force for Durundle. But on the other hand, that's genius and hilarious. <laughs> it, it is pretty great. I mean, they, I mean, poor Mayron too. Yeah, yeah Mayron does nothing in these and keeps getting blown up. Yeah. <laughs> Ray has he a, plays Tetris. Ray has a phone with Durundle's face on it that goes Gilgil <laughs> when it gets a message from him, and that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. I just watched like five of those and call that destiny. <laughs> I mean, there are four of them total. I know. So if we want to take them through for the top, we'll probably try to be quick about this. The first one involves Gil, 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 sending Ray a message <laughs> saying that they need to stop Ray or Shin and Athrin. No, that they break need to up stop- Kira and Athrin's friendship. Yes, and because they're giving them all the trouble. But it turns out that the reason they're friends is because of Birdie, apparently. Well, and so in order to break the bird so that they can remove their friendship, Ray produces his time slip stick and they go back in time. His his Gilbert Durundle brand time slip stick. Which is just a Sailor Moon weapon. Yep. Specifically one Sailor Moon would use, not like just any weapon from Sailor Moon. I'm pretty sure this is what she uses for Moon Gorgeous Meditation, except for it's got Gilbert Durundle with angel wings on it <laughs> instead of herself. <laughs> I, I like when they land in the past. They go through the uh, uh, Zaft mobile suits, Zaku, Goof, and Dom when they land on each other. That's a little too Three Stooges, but I do like it. These are entirely Three Stooges. Fair. So so anyway, they're at the Cherry Blossom lands of the flashback. And Kira just looks like this total doofus, like quivering the entire time as he goes everywhere. Happy and young because he has no worries. He doesn't have to pay taxes yet. <laughs> He's still on the free trial. Meanwhile, they call Mayron in the future, who's like, yeah, I'm measuring their get-along energy. It's at 80 points, and as soon as you destroy Birdie, it will be lower. So so then they they see Birdie coming in <laughs> for a landing, and it turns out Birdie is just a little bit bigger than we remember. There's He's... a very good perspective joke. Yep. He's mobile suit size, though. Where, like, they just see it in the distance, but the closer it gets, the bigger. Ray just has a comedy mallet he's going to destroy it with. Until it tears apart the cherry blossom trees with the force of its flapping of wings. 
Also, Ray uses Gil as like a swear word. <laughs> I love that it also has like horrifying teeth. Also pretty great. It's got like shark teeth on it. Kira's having a great time though. I love also the voice for it is like birdie, birdie. Yeah. <laughs> So Shin gets knocked into a rock and gets a giant comedy owie, but he's like, I won't be taken down by something like this, Shonen! And then his walnut cracks, and he goes seed mode. It's a walnut now. And he has the Destiny's glowy wings, and he flies into Birdie, and the background changes to the shot of lightning of when the Freedom Gundam is destroyed. Birdie sinks into the ocean and explodes. Actually, I'm pretty sure it's the... I thought it was the uh, when he stabbed... Oh, you're right. Adam's it is when he ghost. stabs Atherin's Yeah, You're right. It absolutely is. But it still falls into what is now an ocean and explodes. Shit, his comedy exploded and Kira is crying over the wreckage. When Atherin comes in, he's like, why did you destroy Birdie? The proof of our friendship. Ah, you're such a klutz. I'll make you a new one. <laughs> well, first, Mayron sees, ah, oh, their get-along energy is decreasing. It's down to 50. And so they return to the future to undo the evil that is Aku. They, <laughs> I believe it is that they go back to the future. But yeah, Atherin's like, oh man, you klutz, you're helpless, I'll make a new one for you, it'll be fine. And then they just start lovey-dovey-ing at each other. <laughs> yeah, they grasp hands, and then they grasp hands with their other hands, and then they both go seed mode. Which is brought into flowers of friendship. And a bunch of Haros appear on Mayron's energy readings that hits infinite, and she's like, ah, oh, unable to measure, and then her computer explodes. <laughs> <laughs> and then Atherin and, and Kira just like say each other's names and rub faces on each other, making all the jokes for us. Yes. We didn't even have to. <laughs> Skinship is what they call that. <laughs> so Ray's like, yeah, we did it as they land back in the present. But they see Mayron has exploded and she looks like she's like holding her clothes up in front of her. And she's like, oh, their get along energy. It was too great. And Ray gets an amazing text from the Rundle that's just. You've done something unnecessary. Just like I've always been saying, in a mission, there's no point if we don't achieve anything. You understand that, right? Jeez, if only Rao were here. (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't have to suffer through this for crying out loud. Man, if only Rao were here. He's so so good. good. (laughs) Do you think Durundle ever asked Rao to do random nefarious things for him? (laughs) But if Rao was still alive, he could. That's fair. And this ends with them immediately getting the next mission to tell you there's another one. So the fourth and final of these. They didn't do any for Gundam Double Lot? No. They did not do any Gundam Seed character theater for Gundam Double (laughs) Lot. Although that would be great, just Kira and Lackis instead of Setsuna and Felt. And this mission is like, hey, break up Kira and Lackis. That's even stronger than Kira and Atherin. You can totally do it. So we see them rowing in a raft to their mansion home. An orb. orb. (laughs) <laughs> and there's this just amazing like kissy faces Kira and Lackis are making each, at each other as they slowly get closer we do not see them kiss because we're not allowed that but Ludamaria does and gets a arrow nosebleed to death it fires her off and both Ray and Shin examine her and like I don't know what she saw but Luna has been taken out so Mayron is like try messing with Lackis's cooking that's a neat trick <laughs> so we get a shot of Ray theater ninja in his way down from the ceiling just it's- dumping like a it's more of like Mission Impossible. Dumping a, like, bandolier of hot sauce into what she is making. And she's like, all right, Kira, please enjoy. And he's like, ikadakimasu. And he takes one bite. He's like, oh, my God, this is delicious. Normally, your cooking sucks, Lacus. There's also this amazing <laughs> shot of him going seed mode, but it's cayenne peppers inside <laughs> the seed. It's and like, like Shin and uh, Ray are watching, like, but I 
put so much hot sauce in there. So, so Ray tries some and uh, explodes into hot sauce fire. He and literally Ray, ignites. And Ray has been taken out. I love that uh, Shin is like, ah, his body's hot. <laughs> so Marin's like, I don't know, Shin. Try messing with Lax's concert. That seems like it'll probably be three and a half more minutes of this short. <laughs> we get a, a glorious shot of Shin standing outside this concert hall with Ray and Lunamaria as ghosts behind him. I love that, like, the scene dramatic music is playing. Like, the Destiny Something Bad is about to happen. Well, it is raining and everything. As he's like, I shall take down Lacus here and now. So Shin's plan is to steal Lacus's dress. Well, I love that we cut to Lacus's dressing room where she's just in her lingerie. Yes, I did notice, putting on her makeup. (laughs) And he's like, ah, the concert dress. If I just take this, it's just, like, in the door and she can't see it. Now I have it and she can't go on stage. Ha ha. I will ignore this sign that says don't run in the hallways. <laughs> that is a glorious detail. But, but then, oops, it's Akira. And Shin's like, oh no, he's going to see me. What do I do? He's going to find me. Oh I, yeah. Well, first he has these cards of like, what do I do? He looks at one's dance, swim, and the third one is just kill. Which I think <laughs> Shin went to that one too many times in the series, probably. So this time he decides on swim. Cut to Shin in the pigtails that Lacus had when she was wearing the concert dress in the concert dress. With, with like lipstick. The little, and the, like his little faith icon as a hair clip. It's pretty good. And Kira's like, um, blah, what is going on? And Shin's like, I'm Lacus, I'm not Mir. <laughs> <laughs> and Kira's like, weird, thanks for specifying. <laughs> so that's makeup, right? Your voice is written. He's like, oh, while I was naked, I was and and <laughs> yeah, so now I caught a cold. Kira is horrified by this, but he's like, no problem. And Kira's like, yeah, I'll be in the audience, so bye. <laughs> Do good. And Shin is like, yes. Well, he's like, sorry, Stella. I promised I'd protect my gender no matter what. <laughs> Cut to Ghost Ray with new Gil voice change capsules, which are just his medicine. Clone pills. But apparently they will change... Uh, Shin's voice, because he's not a clone, to sounding just like Lacus. Shin's like, yes, I'll do it. I didn't mention this while we're watching it, but I kind of love the ghost tales that they have. Specifically, Luna's has her stockings on the ghost tail. I just love Lacus's voice actor coming out of Shin's mouth. <laughs> Cut to naked Lacus going through all her clothes, throwing them everywhere. Like, where'd I put that dress? I can't be seen without my dress. Cut to the concert stage, which is like this orb relief concert. There's a battleship labeled Orb and the Zaza <laughs> The entire audience is waving glow six, just Including waiting for Lacus. And Walt Felt and Reverend Malkio, remember him? Yeah, I was going to say that's a DaCosta back there. So Shin breaks into this super upbeat version of In This Quiet Night, even more so than Mir's version. And he's just like, he's got the sword. Yeah, he pulls out the Excalibur from uh, the Destiny and just starts wrecking the scenery. Starts All singing the entire time. He sinks to the battleship. <laughs> exactly. He sinks to the Zamzaza. Colonel Tadaka tries to get in the way, but... <laughs> Jimmy Tadaka, Tadaka was great. Kisaka uh, is uh, with him. Yeah, but it's Captain Tadaka, not Colonel oh, Tadaka. Oh, you're right. You're right. Uh, he tries to stop him, but Rubble falls in his way as Shin continues singing. And I love that, like, the crowd responds and, like, the Colin response parts. And Shin's like... They love me. No one's ever liked my character. People say I should have defected or I should have been a villain. <laughs> I don't understand. Clearly, this is indicating that Shin should have been an idol. So Shin gets into it, and he's like, no matter how many songs there are, even if there are hundreds, I'll sing the entire Lacus Klein backlog. <laughs> 
which is a nice call back to his I'll sh- sink all the ships thing. Cut to Lackis finally having found a dress. A much better dress than her normal concert dress, I must say. It is pink. She gets raised up and is like, why is the stage on fire? <laughs> and Kira is on stage with a bunch of roses being like, you're fantastic tonight, Lackis. And she's like, thanks. I didn't do anything. This is really sweet of you. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, the crowd is screaming for an encore. And she's like, all right, everyone, please listen to me sing. And cut to Marin, who's like, what is this? Also, the level of energy is hitting the max. And then she explodes. <laughs> Poor Marin. Poor Marin. Also, Shin, I guess, passed out from trying to sing too much because he's outside the concert venue turned white and a ghost comes out of him. With uh, Ray and Luna Maria hovering above him. And also, ghost Marin. She shows up, yeah. And Shin is like, I should have been Lacus Klein all along. The <laughs> end. He would have been a much better mirror. <laughs> I don't know about that, but it is clear from this that Shin should have definitely been an idol. Yeah, he could have taken Mir's place as the Lacus clone, and no one would have known. It would have been fine. So yeah, I think those are much better than the seed ones, which are good. Like I said, I love that Lacus joke in the first one, but these ones are, like I think, genuinely funny the whole way through. Yeah, they're pretty good. I think we mentioned that the last one carried on a little bit too long with the gag, but it was pretty good. But for your series finale, it's okay to go a little long. <laughs> All right, no more uh, fun. Now it's only serious time. Do you have a high point for the series Gundam Seed Destiny, Tyler? For the entire series. So I've been thinking about this, and I was trying to, like, remember all the actual moments in Destiny, and we were talking about how there aren't a lot of high points, I think. I think my favorite scene is actually Shin destroying the orb fleet. I wish that had more payoff later. Like, that's not really ever touched on ever again. But the fact that he kills the only person in Orb who was ever really kind to him, um, the fact that it establishes this, like, berserker trait, um, the fact that he's a glory hound about it, I don't know. These are all really interesting character pieces. Man, I wish they had done anything with them later. Yeah, do you have any runners-up? Because you had a lot for Gundam Seed, and a lot of them were actions that informed character, which is something that Destiny (laughs) is unfortunately somewhat lacking in. I did, but I have forgotten most of them because I was, like, sorting through them while I was trying to pick a high point. I did really like the uh, Shin and Ray scooby doing through the uh, I, I forget. extended facility. Thank you, extended facility. That was pretty decent. I will probably have some come back to me and I'll see if I can come up with any. Zach, what's your high point for the series Gundam Seed Destiny? Probably uh, gotta be Shin versus Kira round two, because I really like how through that entire thing, Shin is fighting a ghost. Like, you can see it in his actions, like, he's basically just, like, I killed you, I beat you throughout the entire thing. And, I mean, of course, there is the absolutely ridiculous moment of uh, Kira taking Shin to school, but it's still kind of a really neat moment. Yeah, that was definitely a runner-up for me. Again, I think it's going to be interesting that I think we're all going to choose action moments and action shots, whereas in Seed, we all kind of picked characterish moments, even if those were actions, which I says a lot for me. It's that uh, past the Minerva and the Archangel do it each other over Orb. That's a very specific moment, but I really like that shot. So I did actually remember my primary runner up, which is the entire episode of Atherin escaping from yep. the Zaft base. That was going to be really my runner up. Um, double O Atherin. Double O Atherin. That's just a cool scene. It's very Atherin. We haven't talked about Mayron like at all this episode, except poor Mayron blowing up in the comedy bits. Mayron but... is legitimately a very fun. Ca- I love Mayron as a character, but I really wish she got more to do. Yeah. 
they again almost establish an arc with like her jealousy over Luna, and that just doesn't go anywhere. But I don't think it needed to. I think that's one of the reasons Mayrin's a fun character. My lizard brain is always going to love the Strike Freedom's first launch. There's nothing to it, but like for just pure power fantasy, I'm always going to like it. Lacus and Walt felt cowboy bebopping their way, pretending also to good. be near her great. manager. <laughs> that was also very, space. very good. Lacus pulling a Joker and taking over the airwaves during mere speech. These are all runners up for me. Do you guys have any more runners up you want to talk about? I think at least, uh, and I mean, this might be cheating a little bit. Kira and Durundle's conversation at the very end of the series, like that is definitely a high point for me. Like I said, it might be cheating a bit because it is the, you know, the climax of the series, so it's kind of supposed to be. I think Mayron and Mir. Yeah. Like, I, I really like both of those characters. Oh, also, Lacus giving shit for, to Kira when he's like, I think you look good in anything, Lacus. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the, the date, yeah. I actually really like, maybe not the entire scene, I like Luna finding out that the real Lacus is still in contact with Atherin and, like, having that character conflict. Again, nothing happens as a result of that. Man, I wish it did. That's just so frustrating to me, that scene, because Atherin just has the idiot ball, and he's like, no, you guys are dumb. I mean, I, I still, I, my problem with that one is still that it should have been Mayrin, yeah, not Lunamaria. I, I think so, too. Okay, maybe harder. Do you have a low point for Gundam Seed Destiny, Tyler? Oh, boy, do what I probably. the nadir? I will have to think on that, because, man, there's a lot of disappointing stuff. Um, <laughs> uh, Shin being an idiot over Stella being a complete g- genocidal maniac, and then, like, just the whole thing with Shin and Stella, really, but, like, that moment in particular where he's like, my girlfriend, question mark, my, my friend. Younger that, sister character. Yeah, my younger sister character, who I feel overly protective over, destroyed an entire country. You killed her. She killed Germany. <laughs> <laughs> they had it coming. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that that character motivation causing him to have, like, an undying hatred of Kira as a result, is really dumb, and I don't like it. So that. Zach. This is pretty hard, because there's a lot of flat. I, you know what? Actually, Yuna. Okay. Yuna and his, his dad, because that is another one where it's like, here's this thing. They never really go anywhere. And Yuna is another character we did not mention at all this episode, and I was wondering if he was going to come up or not. I honestly kind of forgot about him. I actually kind of like Yuna as just like a general purpose heel. The problem is I... they don't go into him. That's why I'm putting him as a low point is because he is just here to be a heel. But presumably, like, there's supposed to be something there in how he cares for Orb because it comes up a couple of times. Yeah, there's another character where they, like, laid the foundation for, like, complex character motivations that could have been explored more that they, again, did nothing I mean, with. it's perfectly fine to have a character people don't like because they're a terrible person and they can still be a great character. They don't exist in Gundam Seed Destiny, really, because it feels like they're trying way too hard to have everybody be likable and kind of failing at it, except for the guys that are supposed to be legitimately bad guys. We're about to get there. But other than that, like, they just don't do enough with Yuna, because I I can't look at it and say, hey, well, I can see where he's coming from to protect his nation. No, you're just a rapey dick. Yeah, he's a mustache-twirling villain, and like, again- He just forgot to wear his mustache. (laughs) (laughs) He can't grow one. So I've got a lot of runners up that I want to get through. I was going to just go with Stella, but I feel like you touched on that. Tyler, I have more problems with Stella than just her relationship with Shin, so I almost still went with it. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of problems with Stella, Stella in as general. a character. Yeah. 
Jabril, another character that has not come up to this point, I, who is a way, way worth Muta Azrael. He is king racist for the purpose of being racist. Also, war money. Don't forget his war money. I don't. Why are people loyal to him? Money. I, I guess. I, they are more loyal than money will buy, I feel. Yeah, I feel like he has a lot of people who actually believe in him and his weird basement. For the purification of our blue and pure world. Would, yeah. Would that be better if they actually were to like say okay jabril is going to be our legitimate bad guy and really go into him as a character no because no. then you're just repeating Azrael. yeah i don't think we needed much more from jabril but i i feel like he should have died earlier exactly i was gonna say i feel like he was around too long my real temptation is to say the ending especially when you get to that last clip episode and you're like oh god this isn't gonna go anywhere but i'll go more specific at the end of and at the end, in Gundam Seed, I said my low point was Kigali and how she didn't get to do anything. So my low point for Gundam Seed Destiny is Kigali <laughs> and how she doesn't get to do anything but cry and is shipped off onto a bus to throw her engagement ring into a filing cabinet and let Mayrin cuck her. I was actually going to say runner-up high point, I completely forgot about this, is uh, Kigali's getting to do stuff with the Akatsuki for at least a few minutes. Oh yeah, that is definitely a good runner-up for me. I think a runner-up just because of the silliness of it is yep. uh, Kira kidnapping Akali, from, or not Akali, <laughs> Kigali from her wedding. Also, yeah, the Final Fantasy X moment, also pretty good. As one of your runner-up high points, Tyler, you said the first Death Star laser firing in Gundam Seed, and it's one of your low points, you said the second, because it was excessive. Yep. And, I, and I warned you we were about to hit rapid fire mode. <laughs> <laughs> Those Death Stars in Gundam Sea Destiny are just props. Yep. There are a lot of them, too. Well, I mean, there are two of them. Uh, there's also, like, a Death Star trench run to that lowing grin that they have. It's yeah, just that is true. Which is not quite the same. That cannot destroy the planet without a lot of effort. But any other low point contenders? Any other runners up for low or high points we forgot? Not enough Mayrin. Yeah, Mayrin's just great. I like her. So the one I was actually going to take is Gladys's end of yeah. show motivations. And the, like, it would have taken like two lines, I think, to justify her feelings on that matter. And as it is, we got instead like just baffling character decisions. It just doesn't fit. That is the real disappointing part. Any final thoughts on Gundam Sea Destiny? I can't really recommend it, but also I very strongly recommended Zach not watch it when he was like, Gundam Seed was good. I'll keep going. And I don't feel that way anymore. If you're at the end of Gundam Seed and you want more, Destiny isn't it, but it's close to it. It's the closest thing to more Gundam Seed that exists. Yeah, that sounds about right. I mean, if you want more Gundam Seed, this is as close as you're going to get. It's not stellar, but it's got it's some stellar. cool moments. Da, 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 da. Yeah, I would not ever recommend Destiny to someone. Oh. It's fine. Something I meant to bring up multiple times in this episode and never did, even as a runner-up high point, mobile suit design is on point. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. The, the mobile suit design, I mean, even the Destiny have come kind of come around on. I still don't really like the kitchen sink gun, I mean, but a large part of it is the fact that they don't animate it particularly well. But so much of the mobile suit design is on point. It's not quite to the level of the Build Divers mobile suits that we saw. I mean, that's the only praise I can give for that show. But it's still very, very good, especially with the grunt suits. And I think that's really where it shines is its grunt suit design is fantastic. Yeah, the Zaku Warrior is amazing. It's really interesting that you brought up Build Divers. It's an obvious comparison, but in some ways, this is a weird precursor to that. Because the thing that the Build series gets to do is remix mobile suits. And Gundam Sea Destiny is dipping their toe in that, right? Because the Zaku is a remix Zaku. 
Yep. One of the things I mentioned, especially early on in Destiny, is like the animation is just very solid throughout pretty much the entire show. Like there are so many fewer just like goofy ass frames we paused on in Destiny than there were in Seed. And like, yeah, I can't fault it for its animation. It was solid all around. And going forward, I have not gone over Double O with a finely toothed comb, but I feel like that only improves. Like Double O almost completely gets rid of the stock footage attack. I'm glad for that, because that is something that has always driven me insane. I don't like the stock footage attack. I know why it exists, but I've never particularly liked it. Yeah, say so spoilers for Double O, the animation's already pretty, like, it just looks very nice. Yeah. Well, I mean, episode one, you're kind of supposed to put your best yeah, foot forward yeah. to get people on board. Do we just want to transition into that? I wanted to give one last chance at Final Thoughts of Destiny. Yeah, I'm trying to think it, like... There are just so many, especially, like, doing this retrospective, I'm remembering all the, like, interesting and potentially complex character motivation. Like, I liked Destiny for the first, like, 15 episodes, and then it just, like, kept not doing anything with all the interesting ideas it had. It's super interesting to hear you say that, because you said about Gundam Seed, I liked it a lot more at the start than in the end. But I think you were talking about a lot about the Waltfeld stuff in there and the early action. Destiny, I've said it a thousand times, it starts out strong, but then... It goes nowhere. And on a rewatch, unfortunately, a lot of what you see is all the stuff that's not going to go anywhere. Well, I think also the beginning of, of Gundam Seed in general, because I think me and Tyler are both. I prefer the like the shades of gray at the beginning. And I think, Tyler, you kind of did as well. But I think when you're talking about the start of Gundam Seed, you're talking about the first like 33 episodes. Yeah. And when I'm talking about the start of Destiny, I'm talking about like the first like 12 to 15 episodes. I think we did say that the first part of Gundam Seed Destiny was legitimately pretty good. Yep. I remember uh, commenting that I was not sure what all the hate was about because I'm like, this is actually a pretty good show. Like, I understand it now. I still don't know that it deserves as much as it gets, but... Well, that's true of anything you're going to talk about on the internet, right? That was disappointing or... And especially something divisive like Gundam Seed Destiny, because there are Gundam Seed Destiny defenders, and nothing will create haters like defenders. Well, there's going to be that kind of thing for everything. We were talking about a series that I'm currently watching this season, and there are people who are just like, this is the greatest thing ever. And I'm on the side of things. It's like, it's mediocre at best. I'm watching it because I'm enjoying it, but it's not very good in my personal opinion. But the internet is set up in such a way that some people are like, it's the best. And other people are like, no, of course it's not. We even talked about that with Build Divers, with comments about people liking that show so much. And we were like, who are these people? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean. As long as, as you said, defenders exist, haters will exist to oppose them. I think that brings us into Gundam Double O, right? I hope you will stick around with us for Gundam Double O. Like I have said in the past, I do not have the affection for Gundam Double O that I do for Seed. I know Seed and Destiny just very, very well. I've only watched Gundam Double O once all the way through. And it's a series that I tried to watch like six times and had false starts for various reasons. The first time was as it was coming out. And... It just wasn't more Gundam Seed, which is what I wanted. And like I said at the time, I saw a bunch of things that seemed like they were going in very similar directions as Gundam Seed Destiny, which is very interesting because now I watch the same moment and it looks like they're saying, hey, we're not Gundam Seed. Don't expect that. I think the beginning is incredibly rough. I think that's true of all Gundam series, but Double O might have the roughest start competing with Wing for the title. I've never actually finished Double O. Like you, I've I've had a few false starts on it. I own the entire series because that's the kind of collector I am. But yeah, it's pretty rough to start. And that's one of the reasons why it was really hard for me to get into and actually watch all the way through. 
I don't want to damn it with faint praise, but I think it's better than Destiny and worse than Seed, which is such a wide gulf. And I really don't get the people who love it. So if you're a person who loves Gundam 00, please join our Discord and tell me why, because I'm very curious to hear it. And part of me is hoping in this rewatch, I kind of discover that love. Join our Discord. (laughs) I love hanging out with people in our Discord. Tyler, you told us before we started recording, you watched the first episode. So obviously we'll do a full episode on that. But what are your first impressions? It looks really nice. Hey, it's got Patrick Collisar um, (laughs) and he's great um, already. (laughs) Interesting. The write up, Zach was like, does Patrick Collisar ever get better, Jeremy? And I'm like, that's not going to be Tyler's opinion. Patrick Collisar. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah no you nailed it it's I, great i believe i asked, i believe the question i actually asked was does he ever stop being annoying yes that was it so he is i agree with that um but i love what a shithead he is so that's awesome it's fine it was a fine start it, um it's weird that you mentioned that it had to start as rough as wing because now that since you mentioned it, i'm like oh wow that's a, almost a very wing intro where the characters are just doing stuff with I, unknown motivations. My original thing, and I think I might have heard this from Jeremy way back when, but I also might be putting words in his mouth, so take that for what you will. I heard that this was basically supposed to be a redux of Wing. And like, originally that was the intent, kind of like how Seed was originally supposed to be a redux of the original Gundam. And I don't think that's true at all. To the point where I actually asked Kevin, this is a spoiler, to join us for the first two episodes of Gundam 00. Because we are doing What's a Gundam on our Patreon, where we go through Gundam Wing one episode every other week. And I wanted him to look at the first two episodes of Gundam 00, having not seen the rest of it and seeing only like a third of Gundam Wing, and see what he thinks about the comparisons. Does he just think that's what Gundam is, or what does he think is similar and different? Because while there's certainly elements of Gundam Wing, I really think it's more of a situation that Gundam 00 is the first time where people who grew up liking Gundam Wing had important positions in a Gundam production, and they weren't just throwing five mobile suits because that worked in Wing and was popular. The way that Seed takes a lot of elements from Wing by having five pretty pilots, pilot five cool Gundams, but that's all very marketing. Whereas Double O, in many ways, subverts some of those things by, for example, only having four Gundams. But I think it definitely has a enjoyment of Gundam Wing that was not previously present. I think I might go back and rewatch the first two episodes of Wing before we record that, just to like kind of compare and contrast, because there are a couple of things that I have as thoughts that I wanted to double check and make sure I just wasn't misremembering something. All right. If that's all we have to say, It's a Gundam will return in Celestial Being.